0: All right, my friends, welcome back to the Freestyle Way podcast. Today, I am doing a continuation of what I started talking about last week, which was this idea around solopreneurship, but now uh, extending it beyond the Olympic breaking realm that I was focusing on last week. So this is kind of the starter kit for anybody who is thinking about solopreneurship, meaning becoming a business of one or is in it and wants to solidify the way that they are doing business now who am i to talk about this well we'll get into it but i have been a business of one i found some success there then i uh, became a business of some and then i returned to becoming a business of one in 2000 what was it 2019 2020 and it all kind of happened because of the pandemic and a few other things but um in a nutshell i'm going to cover 10 points here And I'm going to share what those points are right now. If uh, you do those 10 points just from what I share here in the first three to four minutes, then uh, you're good to go. If you want to continue to uh, listen in and get more insight, uh, you can just listen through. I'm going to try to do my best at creating some chapters that you can follow. You'll find those in the show notes or in the description. And that way you can navigate this podcast as best as you can. Now, the first point that I include here in solopreneurship is defining your mission and your purpose. This is key. If you have that, now you can inform everything else that you do. Every decision that you make comes from your purpose and your mission. Number two is to create a product or a service that comes from your lifestyle or your craft. So create something that is an extension of you. And one of the details here is that you want that service or product to solve a specific problem. If you can do that, then you will be in good standing. Number three, focus on your business's production and distribution to make it viable. Your business is a machine and you have to produce something and you need to move whatever you're producing. Number four, develop a reliable and replicable system for production and distribution and identify the logistics. This is important because logistics is the way that you run your business. And that is the key. This is something that takes a lot of time to develop. But once you dial it in and it's informed by your your purpose and your mission, and it's part of the machine, which is the production and distribution, then uh, you're off to the moon. Number five, this is key. This is something that I, I messed up a lot in the past, which is understanding the financial aspects of your business including, this is, this is very important, including adequate resource allocation, meaning where are you putting your money? This is extremely important. You may be making a lot, but if you don't know where you're putting it and allocating it, then your business is not moving in the direction that you need and ultimately that you want. Number six, set specific, measurable, achievable, and time, pa- a time, pound. <laughs> time bound goals. These are smart goals. Now, um, this is just a suggestion, but having these gives you some structure. Now, number seven, build a team or support group to enhance your growth and expertise. This doesn't mean that you have to hire or outsource or do anything like this. This is finding the people that uh, will support your venture. This can be family, friends, this can be mentors, Um, we can dive into who those people are. But have a support system. Have people that believe in you more than you do. That's uh, key because you are going to fatigue, you are going to run out of steam, and you are going to doubt yourself along the way. So having that group of people is key. Who are you going to call? Number eight, develop your brand, aligning it with your purpose and mission and reputation. And this is very important. And the brand is an extension of your purpose and mission. It's how you display your purpose and mission, and it's what becomes your reputation. And I'll dive into that uh, further down the line. But you want to keep your brand in good standing and be um, in coherence with your brand. When you can do that, then your business can become very successful and it can really reach uh, great distances. Number nine, cultivate a network that includes a core team. This can be part of your support system, your customers, and uh, an extended community. In other words, create a community, create something that feels interconnected, something that feels close. And if you nurture that, you will always have a foundation. And then finally, number 10, continuously learn and improve your leadership skills, communication skills, and and task and time management skills. So if you got those 10 things, uh, you're good to go. And if you listen this far, take those 10, write those down, Run with it. See if you're actually focusing on them. If not, uh, start to pay some attention, and you may make some positive change. Now, let's dive into the episode. I want to give you a little backstory of how I became a solopreneur. And I guess it dates back to when I was 15, 16. I was really into snowboarding. And I remember uh, Burton was on every snowboard that I liked, And I would see this uh, Burton B, the logo, and I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I remember also during that time that my father had gone to New Zealand to run a marathon and he came back with this windbreaker that had uh, the two main sponsors of the marathon, which were Nike and BMW. And I thought the, the swoosh just looked so cool on this red windbreaker. And then the, the BMW logo looked amazing. And I just thought, wow, it's really cool to um, have a logo on your clothes. I just thought it was cool. And I couldn't identify why. But what I was really seeing was something that was bigger than um, myself, something that moved people to do something. In this case, for my father, was was uh, encouraging people to run 42 kilometers. Now, that was kind of the inception. So uh, come, I, I want to say, 98, 99, uh, I am in my room uh, on the computer working on Coral Draw, trying to design a logo. And I designed my first logo, which was uh, my initials. Uh, but in Swedish, so taking my uh, nickname in Swedish, which is Kale, which is with a K. And I remember flipping the K, taking the vertical line of the K out so it would look like an arrow and then adding a P. So it was an arrow pointing towards the P. And I just felt like that was uh, my little personal logo. And I I was thinking about branding from that perspective, from the logo perspective. Little did I know that uh, a brand was really about creating a philosophy, a way of thinking, and a lifestyle. I thought a brand was the image. And although it has to do with it, it's not what a brand really is, and it's not what drives a business. It's just something that allows people to recognize a business. Anyways, uh, fast forward a little bit um further into the future. Now we're in 2004, 2005. I am uh, becoming a personal trainer and I became a personal trainer by, by accident. And it was simply because I knew how to do gymnastics. I was coaching gymnastics. I wanted to make some extra money. So I got into personal training because my father told me about personal training and he said that in the U.S. Um, they were making six figures a year. So I thought this is a place for me. Let me go. And uh, that's what I did. I'm going to go into personal training. And I got a job at um, uh, a gym called Equinox. It's a chain of gyms, kind of uh, high end, starting in New York, I believe. And I think it was founded by uh, two brothers that wanted the gym to look like a hotel. So anyways, this was this fancy gym where I was doing personal training. And um, as I built up a full portfolio or roster of clients, I got to a point where I had maximized my income. I couldn't produce any more income. Furthermore, I was abiding by the rules, standards, philosophy, and brand of the company, in this case, Equinox, which I thought was cool and I, I loved and I, I learned a ton, but it wasn't who I was. It, it didn't uh, express how I saw the world. Thus, I felt like it was time for me to try to expand. And I had heard that a few trainers had taken their clients to private gyms. And there they were able to increase their revenue, maximize their income. So that's what I did. I I asked every single one of my clients if they would be willing to come with me to a private gym and they would pay me the same amount they were paying at Equinox, but now without the cut that the gym was taking. Thus, I went from making, I think it was $32 an hour, which back then for me was amazing, to all of a sudden making between $85 and $100 an hour. And this, of course, is uh, before taxes. This is in 2007, 2008. In the moment of me going independent and renting space, I became a solopreneur. And the first problem I was facing was wondering how to do this legally can i just go and do business and the answer is yes you can just go and do business now is it important to protect yourself a little bit yes and some of the things that you can do is um you can start an llc which is a limited liability company this is in in the u.s in spain it would be an sl which is a limited society it's called um Anyways, you can you can you can build you can create an entity that is separate from you where you can operate under, and that can be something that protects you. Now, if you don't want to spend the eight hundred bucks uh, a year that it costs to maintain an LLC, I think that's what it is in California or uh, in the U.S. in general, and you don't want to pay the initiation fees and all the processing fees, you can go in and do something much simpler, which is uh, creating a DBA. This is doing business as, and this is simply you go into City Hall and you go to uh, uh, where uh, all the businesses are registered and you simply uh, say that you will be doing business in personal training, in art, in whatever it may be under an alias or a name, a business name, and it can be whatever you want. I chose NACA Athletics which was Naka in Japanese. Naka is inside. Athletics is, of course, uh, sports uh, performance. And the reason I chose that was because I wanted people to work from the inside out. Now, as I got into personal training on my own, I started realizing that there were a lot of things I had to do, which was I had to manage taking payment. I had to have a system for that. Um, I had to uh, figure out what to do with my taxes. I had to do bookkeeping. I was completely lost. So for me, all I cared about was seeing a full bank. If I had a uh, a bank with um, enough zeros, I was satisfied, and I was like, I'll figure it out later. So I was pretty uh, reckless in the way that I was doing business, but uh, because I was generating enough, it felt like I could always keep up. But it became a rat chase, and the problem that I was running into which is actually part of the problem that I run into these days too, to some degree, is that I was renting my time. Basically, I was just exchanging every hour for an X amount of dollars. And if you want to run a successful business, you can't operate that way. You will not make it, at least not for a long time uh, or past uh, a point where you can comfortably retire. So you have to figure out a way of scaling. And that's something that we can get into and further podcasts and future podcasts but um, it's something to think about and consider and you can begin to do it to some degree now okay what happened later well um, a few years after that maybe a year and a half actually after that I, I was looking to try to expand on my reach and I was thinking okay maybe if I produce some kind of digital product I bring in some technology Uh, build some kind of interactive interactive website. Maybe I can find success there. Anyways, I I ended up finding um, uh, a person who was a web developer business uh, person, and uh, we got to talking. And within a short period of time, we ended up partnering. Now, here's where I made my big mistake. I had no clue what it meant to go into business with somebody. And this I'll share in a different podcast. But uh, I made a ton of mistakes in, the, um, in in forming the LLC, which was the company that we formed, in the uh, partnership itself, and then in how um, there was going to be revenue share within it. And then uh, in addition to that, I had new, no clue how uh, the technology development worked. I had no clue how the uh, admin of the whole business was working. That was something that uh, this partner that I had was doing. So I was very oblivious to how the machine was working. I was purely the talent. And at first it was cool because all I saw was more dollars in the bank. But I noticed that I was always scared of those dollars. I never knew what was going to happen because I didn't understand the business landscape. And what I want to try to paint today is a picture of what the landscape is and how you can start to Uh, have a a more detailed and insightful focus on these areas and how you can start to nurture every single aspect. So when the time comes, if you ever decide to become a business of some, a business of many, uh, that you know what to do and what to look for. Now, one of the things that I realized too at that time was my relationship to money. And uh, something that came up with my business partner is my business partner was would, would always say that a dollar is a dollar. And uh, it, it came from me not being comfortable with certain business decisions we were making. And my business partner at the time just saying, we need to make money, so a dollar is a dollar. And to me, that never sat right. And the reason it didn't sit right was because it didn't align with my personal beliefs, my core values, my personal principles. And I didn't know as the owner of this business that I could actually influence that and change that. So this is a huge part of business development. And I believe that every single one of us should be aware of this and that this is where you you catalyze. you you. It's the inception of that which you want to create as a solopreneur. So with that being said, when did I realize that solopreneurship was the thing? Well, this, I didn't realize until recently, but I, I started working with people who were a business of one in 2017 when I started doing this program that I called Lifestyle Design, which was, in my opinion, all about life coaching. But the reality of it, it was that it wasn't life coaching per se. It was business development. And all I was doing was taking people's lifestyle, helping them organize their lifestyle, and then uh, channeling it into creating a machine that could produce transactions of value or money and thus uh, become a career that is viable for uh, the person that I was working with. That was when I started working with with solopreneurs. And just recently have I started to identify who these people really are and what characteristics... Um, they 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 abide by or they have that that make them who they are and and the first one and, and i think i shared this in the last podcast but i'm going to repeat it here so this can be a standalone podcast which is they all have the mind of an artist meaning they can create from their imagination they're able to access places that uh don't necessarily exist in the physical reality the second thing is that they have the body of an athlete the discipline of an athlete they're capable of performing at a high level And they do really well with constructive feedback that addresses where they can improve. And making those incremental improvements is what gets them where they want to go. Furthermore, is what makes them feel fulfilled. So the the solopreneur has the body of an athlete. And then they have the wisdom, which is now not in the mind, but in their being, in their essence, of a seasoned coach, of a seasoned leader. They just know intrinsically know inner they know in their and in, in, inside of themselves that this is uh how things work and they're able to see uh the world life uh services products from various perspectives and this is uh very very powerful to me and this is something that if you identify with it then you're probably ready to be a solopreneur if you don't identify with it and you are a solopreneur Worry not because you can develop these aspects. And that's something that to me is very fun to think about. Now, one of the interesting things about solopreneurship or any business is that there is no destination. You may have a mission, you may have a purpose, you may have some goals, but the final destination doesn't exist. It's a path of mastery and it's a state of living in uh, infinite success. And infinite success is this idea that success is not a benchmark, but rather a succession, a progression. So anything that you're trying to achieve through solopreneurship is all about creating a progression. If you're an athlete and the goal is to go to the Olympics, you go to the Olympics, but your solopreneurship doesn't end there. It continues with now an iteration of what you started before the Olympics. It's a succession. If you're an athlete and you wanna become a coach, now you have a succession. If you're a coach and now you want to develop a product, now uh, y- you have a succession. And and this is key for understanding uh, solopreneurship and the essence of it. And it's that it's never ending. It's a game. It's an infinite game. So let's get into each one of the points that I was addressing earlier. The first one being to define your purpose and mission and align that purpose and that mission with your lifestyle and craft. Furthermore, That lifestyle that you currently have has to inform your purpose and your mission. And one way to identify the purpose and mission is by answering five questions. I also shared this in previous podcasts, but I'm going to say it again. So this can be a standalone podcast, as I said just a second ago. And the five questions are, who are you? What do you do? Who do you do it for? What do the people that you do what you do for need? So what do they need? And when they get their needs met, what impact do you make? If you can answer those five questions, you will have at least some insight into what your mission statement is. And uh, a way to write a mission statement is by using um, a Simon Sinek's uh, structure, which is "to so that." And um, basically, it's it's letting people know that that you're doing something to uh whatever you may do i don't know if uh, if you're an artist if you're a coach or let's say you're a physical fitness coach it's to um to to make the world pain free so that's that's your mission and then the so that says what impact that makes so that we can live a longer life we can enjoy with our kids we can b- build uh resilient communities i mean it's it's up to you uh to say what that is But if you can uh, create a a clear mission statement, you now have something that will inform every decision you make. And if you ever wake up and you don't know what to do or you're in a pickle or in a moment where uh, you have a problem that you have to solve, you have to remember the mission and that mission will allow you to make the decision. It will bring clarity to your next step. So having a mission and purpose is very uh, important. And uh, the other thing is that the the mission and purpose when you share it publicly, people can recognize it and then they can move towards you. You can be seen, understood, and then connected with. So that's the uh, defining your purpose and mission. Now, number two is to create a product or a service that solves a problem, specific problem, and amplifies your lifestyle. So if you're a coach or a teacher You may be the product at first. You are the one that shows up and does the thing. You teach the class. The service is that which you teach. It's showing up for the class. If you're an athlete and you're a professional athlete, it's showing up for game day, for competition, and winning competitions that is your product and service. But then maybe eventually you start to create an extension of who you are. And this can be an online course this can be uh um, merch this can be having some kind of tool or product this can be art this can be digital art or even nfts uh something that uh uh, although the market is down there is something there that will be long lasting and i look forward to seeing what that's going to be so Realize that you have to create a product and a service and know what your product and service is and be very clear about that. And my suggestion is that you start with one product, okay, one thing that you do, and you try to implement that uh, to the point where you find success and you have proof of concept, meaning that uh, you know this thing works. And if you can do that, then uh, you're killing it. And if that product or service Makes your lifestyle better and um, encourages others to amplify their lifestyles or maximize their lifestyles. Then you're you're really uh, doing it. So this is really important. Now, uh, th- the sentiment that, and this is important is that the sentiment behind having a product or a service is equally as important as the practical value that it offers. So for example, if you teach a class and you're instructing people how to do things, you wanna make sure that the instruction that you're giving them is not only mechanical, but also evokes an emotion. It makes them feel something. This is kind of like if you have merch or if um, you are are an athlete that competes on a team or you have a jersey and people buy your jersey, When they wear your jersey, they feel something. They're representing something that uh, they associate with, they look up to, they admire. And it's important that your product or service evokes that emotion. And if you don't know what that emotion is or that feeling is, that's okay. Let your customer tell you. Let your fan base tell you. And this is why in a little bit we'll get into the importance of having a connection with your community and communicating with them. Okay, now comes the fun part. This is kind of the building, okay? And this is uh, number three. It's focusing on your production and distribution to make something viable. So the first thing you want to think about is in building a machine. And the machine is something that creates, produces, and then distributes. The production is, if you have merch, it's designing the t-shirt, having a place where they'll print the t shirt X amount of numbers, and then you getting those T-shirts, putting them in nice little packages, putting them on a website for sale, selling them, and then distributing them, which is getting them to their destination, to the customer, and then uh, also being mindful that there may be returns or exchanges, whatever there may be. But that is the main piece of the machine, production and distribution. The way that you produce and you distribute has a series of steps that you make. And those steps that you take are the logistics. And having a clear record of your logistics is key. You have to have a manual that says, step one, design. Step two, submit design. Step three, colors. Step four, whatever it may be. Step five, um, the T-shirt, the item, the product. And have all those things categorized in an itemized list that anybody can pick up and do it themselves, meaning that it makes you replaceable. Now, if you're a teacher or a coach, that will take a little bit longer. But if you create a method or a way or a style of doing things that can be taught to others, now you have something that can be replicated and thus scaled. So this is really important. And the logistics of that, having that recorded is your manual that's your book that's your um that's your uh, what would you call it your playbook so that's key and now within this what will end up happening is that the more you do production and distribution and the more you develop logistics you will notice that the interaction with people uh, will start to bring up some problems Uh, some people uh, want exchanges or returns or some kind of refund You have to create policies, and this is when you have to decide how you want to do business. This is something that in uh, personal development, you would call boundaries. In business, you call it policies. So having policies that are clear that everybody can read and see are important. Most of us, we buy a product or that we subscribe to some kind of service. We don't read the policies, and then we get upset when uh, they're not doing what we believe they should be doing when in reality, they told us ahead of time uh, that that's what they were going to do. So policies are really important. And this doesn't matter if you're just getting started or you're uh, deep down the rabbit hole of your uh, business. Now, one of the things that you want to do is you want to make sure that this machine is based on a few things. One, value creation, something that people value because they appreciate it, they like it, It brings them joy. It actually solves a problem. It's something that uh, works for them. So you need to be a value creator. The second thing is that you want to become efficient and effective, meaning you want to uh, make the uh, logistics, the steps, as effective as possible, as efficient as possible, the least amount of steps possible to get from point A to point B and then from B to C. And uh, this takes iteration, repetition. So you have to be tracking how you're doing things to remember to have uh, a record of how you did things. So you can say, oh, yeah, when I uh, had this situation, I made this step and this was unnecessary. I'm going to start taking that away. Or, you know, I had this uh, policy that I was implementing for uh, my process of uh, distributing my digital product. I'm going to change that, and thus it's going to change my distribution uh, slightly. The steps become a little bit more efficient. The other thing you want to do is you want to have this um, state where you're in um, continuous development, continuous improvement. You want to constantly be uh, in a process of uh, making uh, your machine, uh, a a well-lubed machine, a fine-tuned machine. And this just takes time and care. And then here's, here's the most important part for me is that you want to be customer-centric. You want to focus on your customers. That, that's your, your boss. So as a solopreneur, you work for your customer. Your client is the boss. And when you understand this, now you um, become of service. And anytime you become of service, you become a value. And this is something funny. This is just an aside. In the personal training business, um, I've heard personal trainers or in the fitness industry, people say, I'm going to fire my client. They're just sick and tired of their client or something. And it's just a funny saying because um, the client is actually your boss. And the question is, can you fire your boss? Well, yeah, you can quit your job. But you're not firing them. You're just saying, I'm no no longer going to be serving you. I can refuse uh, to serve you. And that's just a funny saying that in uh, personal training exists and it's based, in my opinion, on this ego. But this also appears in uh, footwear apparel and, and other uh, businesses. The other thing you wanna be within your business is you wanna be agile. You wanna be able to pivot quickly. You wanna be able to adapt to a changing market. This is something that I failed tremendously on during the pandemic. I had booked out a whole year of seminars around the world first stop was in china and then after that of course um uh, the pandemic broke out and uh, then i had to refund everybody that was going to be attending the seminar so 2020 i made no money until november and i was incapable of pivoting quickly enough and bringing my uh, in-person services to online so a complete disaster i was terrible at being agile there. But uh, that has uh, woken something up in me that now has me thinking in a way that is constantly preparing for what could happen and then having options ahead. And this is the creative mind. So very important that you develop this as a solopreneur. Then you want to be empowered. So uh, what does it mean to be empowered? Empowerment is simply motivation. And motivation is not like, yeah, I feel great. This is going to be awesome. Now, motivation is movement. And movement comes from discipline. And discipline is the act of showing up every single day, consistency. But the showing up every day has to be based on discipline as seen as a skill. You want to see your business development, solopreneurship, as a skill. And when you can treat it as a skill, what ends up happening is that it becomes something that is fun and at first something that is fun the more you push it it starts to become a little uncomfortable but because there is momentum in you you continue to do it and that pain ends up putting you in a state of reflection that allows you to make better decisions and thus continue to move forward and that skill development that happens consistently through the discipline of solopreneurship is what i encourage everybody to develop And it's just a matter of looking at solopreneurship or your business development as um, something that you are learning. You're constantly trying to get better at and to see it a little bit as a game. And then you want to be data-driven. You want to be um, very objective about how you look at things. And a lot of times we become delusional. We think we have this amazing uh, product or this amazing service, but uh, it's actually not working for the machine the the business itself and uh being able to look at that data and then making decisions that are going to change that data for the better the outcomes for the better is important and a lot of times that requires two things one it requires you to do things in a different way and the different way may be something that you don't know how to do or you don't like to do and um the other thing it requires is you to become somebody that you're not yet In other words, if uh, you are not making enough money because the way that you manage your money is inconsistent or it's, um, it's unorganized, you have to become the person who is financially savvy, financially literate, and who cares about organizing money and allocating it where it should be. And in order for you to become that, you need to believe that. And that is where personal development really comes into play. Now, in addition to the machine, something that I also, building the machine, production, distribution, policies, logistics, all these things, I I recommend everybody uh, do some research on their own or consult with um, a lawyer or just uh, uh, find something online where you can identify how you want to do business legally. What do you want your legal entity to be? And the reason is because having a legal entity allows you to be in a safer place, be part of a system and do business in a way where you're not only protecting yourself, but you're you're reassuring to those that you serve that uh, you are legitimate. And although there's a lot of BS and bureaucracy around it, it's important to at least do some uh, due diligence and try to have some things buttoned up. Uh, it will potentially save you down the line. In fact, I didn't know when I separated from my business partner that I could have filed for bankruptcy and I wouldn't have been affected. As much as I was personally, and I didn't do that because I thought I had to uh, keep the the company open and um, uh, yeah, big mistake. So uh, you live and you learn. And this is something that I highly recommend people uh, Yeah, just take a little look, look at. Now, uh, point number four. Develop a reliable and replicable system to production and distribution and logistics. This I've already kind of alluded to in terms of what it is, which is create a system for how you run your business. And at first it starts with trial and error. You just try to do things or maybe you're copying somebody else's way of doing business and then eventually find your way and then have a manual that says exactly how you operate. When you have that manual, notice um, how you can potentially pass that over to somebody else. If you have the ability to pass that over to somebody else, then you're, you're building reliable and replicable uh, systems. And this is very important. Now, I'm just going to give you an example of what a system could be. And this is uh, really rudimentary. But back in the day, I had a website called GymnasticsWad.com. And on this website, there was uh, gymnastics programming applied to fitness, and it was just free for people to use. They would just come in every day, they could see a workout, they could follow that workout, and that was it. Now on top of that, there were these tutorials. So I would put up every Monday a tutorial, and this would be a movement progression. Now this website alone, which was free for people to use, uh, had value. It was contributing. So people wanted to get more. And one of the things that they wanted, one was getting access to the source. I, in this case, was the source. So we had a little tab that said uh, apply to host a seminar. So this was for gyms who wanted to host me to come in and teach a seminar. And uh, we would get a list of gyms from all around the world. So the system was one that was based on having a website which would attract people and then people would submit an application to host a seminar and then once we got the uh location we would review the the different uh places around the world we would look at uh, how many members they had the location uh brand recognition and several other factors and then we would choose which one we wanted to work with and then we would do business with them i would fly out i would do the seminar uh, all all uh, tickets were sold through our system, and then I would come back and I would rinse and repeat. So that was a system that could be replicated, and it was very uh, effective. Having control of your system is very important. Now, what happened? Eventually, I started getting less and less requests, and this was now after 10 years of doing business because the industry, the market was changing. So I had to change my approach. Here I made another mistake. I thought, well, what I'm going to do is instead of um, uh, giving more value, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put a paywall. I basically just put a a barrier in front of everybody thinking, okay, at least the people that are coming to the website, which are a lot of people, they will pay some, and now I can generate more revenue without having to do as many seminars because there are less requests. Well, little did I know that by blocking the main uh, source of value, I was actually going to decrease my revenue. And by changing the system in the wrong way, I made the wrong decision, my business started to uh, dive (laughs) and and crash. Now, um, same thing uh, would happen with, we had t-shirts, we had even DVDs. um, and, And something interesting that happened with the DVDs was that we made DVDs on content that already existed online but we just created a physical product because people wanted to have access to a physical product. Back then, DVDs were still a thing. And it came from an opportunity that uh, arose from uh, people who were deployed uh, in the military and didn't have good access to Wi-Fi. And they wanted to see the content. So um, the, the first step was, let's get them DVDs so they can at least watch the content that already exists. And in doing that, and this wasn't my idea. This was actually my business partner's idea. And it was, it was genius. We created, we burned a bunch of DVDs. We put nice stickers on them. We put nice packaging and with a nice design. And uh, we put them up on the website. And my business partner suggested at the time that we, uh, as the content is already free online, that people who wanted to buy this could set their own price. And the interesting thing was that people started setting a price that was way higher than uh, we would have priced it. And thus we started to generate revenue. Then we had a company called Rogue Fitness came in and said, hey, we will distribute it for you. So we'll buy them at wholesale, which is at a reduced price. And then we will put them on our uh, website and we'll have them in our uh, distribution center and we will ship them out. So all of a sudden we were in the wholesale business with these DVDs. Uh big mistake was we thought that DVDs were going to last way longer. So we burned a ton of DVDs and then all of a sudden, the DVD market went down. Now we were generating no revenue, and this is where being agile comes in and is very important. Uh, by that time, I had already separated from my business partner. I was a complete disaster running the show. I had no clue what was happening. So all of a sudden, I found myself uh, at home with ten thousand DVDs, uh, completely insane. Okay, what's uh, what's next? Well, what's next is uh, point number five. Understand the financial aspects of your business, including effective resource allocation. So uh, I'm not a financial advisor, so none of what I say should be seen as advice. Uh, if you want to talk to a financial advisor, there are a ton of people out there who do this. I have had somebody on the podcast before and something that somebody that I rely on, and his name is Justin Costelli. He has his own podcast and... Um, I suggest that you go uh, check him out. Uh, The title of the podcast um, that I uh, recorded with him is called Money Move. So you can go check that out. And maybe I'll just put it up here uh, if you're watching it on YouTube or in the show notes. Okay, so in terms of finances, you just have to realize that there's a cost to doing business. And uh, finances is not only the dollars, but it's also your time, your energy, and your resources that you allocate. And at first, what happens is that you are going to be operating at a deficit, meaning you're going to be operi- operating in uh, a place where you have spent more than you've earned. But if you're smart about how you spend your time, your energy, your resources, and your money, you can uh, create something that is going to give you uh, a bigger return and thus uh, come out of that hole. So just understand input and output. And if you, do that, then uh, things will work out for you. Now, without getting into marketing or sales or anything like that, it's important that from a money perspective, you at least know what a profit and loss sheet is. So a PL sheet, which is simply knowing how much money came in and how much money went out. The second thing you need to know is you need to know what your gross income is. And this is your uh, how much money came in and this is what's called top line then you have your net income and the net income is the total of your uh, income minus your losses or expenses and uh, that gives you a total of uh, of money that is 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 your profit basically now from that profit of course you're going to have to pay taxes say at least 30 percent of that goes out in taxes and then the remaining this is the this is the part that is is very important is that the remaining can't just go into your pocket. <laughs> you you have to allocate some for uh, business expenses or growing the business and uh some of course can go into your pocket. So basically uh a a way that I think about it and this is super rudimentary is that whatever um uh money is left over after taxes you can um take home 30 to 50 percent some people take home up to 80 but 30 to 50 percent and then the rest of that you put into the business and you reinvest it and the reason you would take home some is because you do have to live especially if you're a solopreneur but before you even get into solopreneurship it's good to have some back so um yeah rule of thumb 30 percent at least goes to taxes You, you have to go check the tax brackets if you know nothing about taxes you can go online you can say 2023 tax brackets you can approximate approximately where you're going to be landing and then you can calculate uh, the percentage that you're going to owe on your profit on whatever you made this is net income now and um and then you can take uh and this is where you start to to budget and start to plan but then you can take 10 to 30 um, uh, re- percent reinvest that into the business and the rest you can put in your pocket now, this is where becoming aware of uh, tax breaks is, is important. So you have like a uh, home office deduction, basic business expenses, uh, self-employment tax deductions. This is something that if you use TurboTax, for example, if you had an accountant, they, they will uh, immediately uh, do for you. Health insurance, of course, um, is deductible. Um, uh, retirement contributions. So if you have an IRA, an individual retirement account, uh, I think it's up to $6,000 in the United States that you can put in there that's a tax deductible that's a tax break uh business uh vehicle expenses so like let's say you're driving places um but it's it's key to realize that um you can't count and 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 this i may be may be wrong on this they may have changed this but uh, i made this mistake in the past where i would consider uh part of my mileage from home to a business and then back home when in reality you could only count the miles that you were covering from business to business. So let's say you're doing deliveries or something. Once you get to the first place, it's the miles from that first place to the next business to the next business. So it's just business miles that you can you can cover. Anyways, I'm, I'm not an accountant and I don't know anything about that, but that was a, a big mistake. And then education and training. So if you attend a seminar or you take a course online, that's uh, tax deductible. Okay, cool. So that's just kind of knowing the money. The best thing to do is to work with a financial advisor. And then there are a ton of apps out there. Mint is one, which is great. Um, and, and there are a bunch of others. So, uh, I mean, QuickBooks, if, if you're running uh, your books that way, is is a good good way to do it. Uh, you can have it on your phone. There is an expense to that, of course. Uh, it costs some money to, to use, but uh, it does help. Um, but now, actually, with uh, ChatGPT, you can do a lot of fun things, and maybe that's something that we can get into in a future episode. Okay, number six, uh, having goals. It's really important to have goals and it's important to have goals that are short-term that are going to affect your long-term and then have the long-term goals or outcomes, which is based on your purpose, uh, in a way that informs your short-term goals. And this is where this idea of um, picking one thing to focus on is key. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make is trying to do too many things at once. They come out and they just want to have an ecosystem of services, an ecosystem of products. That can be the ultimate vision. But to get started, I would say just do one thing and then get proof of concept. And this is where um, now uh, realizing that less is more and that becoming process oriented is the key. And in order to become process oriented, you uh, need to inform the outcome that you're trying to achieve through creating a roadmap that's going to get you there. And that roadmap having uh, clear markers of progression. And this is something that I, I just um, share with everybody that if you want to create a structure for your business, you start with the outcome and then you reverse engineer it. You say, okay, my outcome is X. Uh, I want to uh, go to the Olympics. I want to sell uh, $1,000 worth of um, these T-shirts, whatever it may be. And then you create a progression, a roadmap. And this is something that you can make up. You can copy and paste from somebody else. Then you have to have progression markers. So this is the progress indicator. You need to know if you're hitting the milestones that is moving you close to the outcome that you're looking for. And then you have to have a process for doing that. And maybe the process itself is the act of showing up every day. This is why having a schedule is so important and why blocking out time, um, focus time specifically to do things is key. That is being uh, process oriented. In order to be process -oriented, oriented, you have to create habits. And these have to be identity-based habits. What does this mean? This means that you have to do things, habits, every single day that are part of a process and they need to be an extension of an identity. An identity is who you are. Now, this is where uh, the poet Maya Angelou comes in where she says something beautifully, which is whatever you want, you have to be first. What you want is an outcome. Whatever you want, you need to be first. So if you want friends, if you want friends, you need to become a friend first. If you want wealth, you need to become wealthy. So it's asking yourself, what does it mean to be wealthy? What does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean to be a solopreneur? What does it mean to be a professional athlete? Let me be that first, and then let me express myself through my habits As that and that becomes the process and when you can prioritize process over progress progress over progression and progression over outcome eventually you arrive at the destination and because you're doing it in a way that it's that is informed by the the uh, the overarching purpose and mission the the outcome itself is not a destination but just a succession a progression. And this is the, the fun part about solopreneurship is that it's never-ending. Okay, number seven, build a team or support group to enhance your growth and expertise. So this means that you, although you're a business of one, you need to have mentors and advisors. You have to have fans, your, your, your family, people who believe in you, you more than you do. And then eventually, you have to also start bringing in people that are going to hold you accountable. People who when you deviate from what you said you were going to do to come and remind you and say, hey, Carl, uh, you said you were going to do this and I'm noticing that you're not doing it. Uh, What's going on? And then you becoming accountable to that which you said that you were going to do. And this being one of the most powerful things that you can do. So build your boardroom, have a C-suite, so to speak, and then have those people Keep you accountable, guide you, mentor you, cheer you on, advise you. And when you have that as a solopreneur, you cannot fail. You will always be uh, successful. And this is something that took me a long time to realize. But once I started letting people in and realizing that people uh, who truly care uh, don't have an agenda in terms of like trying to get something from me, but rather to try to build something with me. Uh, that's when a lot of great things started to, to happen. And that's something that I would love to dive into because uh, I am now taking on that role that a lot of mentors um, took on for me when I, when I needed them. So build your team and then tell them, like make them a part of your team. Let them know, I, I need you to be my advisor. I want mentorship. This is how I would like to work with you. And some mentors you're actually going to have to pay, but they're they're worth paying for. And I highly recommend that you, you consider investing in that, especially if they know something that you don't and that could help your business move forward. Okay, number eight, develop your personal brand and align that brand with your purpose, your mission, and make sure that that fits your reputation. Now, something that uh, a lot of people think is that they can just say, this is my brand, this is what I believe in, and that's it. But the reality is that uh, whatever you say it doesn't matter as long uh, as your're uh, unless your actions align with what you're saying and this means that your personal brand first and foremost is what people think you are what people believe you are and what you do and this is where uh, it can get very interesting for a solopreneur because a solopreneur is a business of one that can get very isolated and thus disconnected from their customers, their audience, their community, and start to think that they're one thing, but the reality is that they're something completely different. Thus, encouraging the community to voice their opinion, to share feedback in a way that's constructive can uh, inform your personal brand and thus allow you to become more clear in how you operate. And this is uh, really powerful. Another thing to remember here is that a personal brand or a brand is not a logo. The logo is the visual representation, the brand is the philosophy. And this is really becoming um, aware and aligned with that which you believe in. Like, what is it that you want the world to uh, know more about? What does the world need more? uh of and 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 what is it that you love about those things when you start to become aware of that now you start to develop uh, a a true brand and this is something that even somebody like elon musk okay you may have uh tesla and now twitter and uh, uh spacex and uh, Neuralink, and you can disagree with the person or not but he has a very clear mission and he has a very clear purpose and brand The brand, of course, changes a little bit depending on where he is, but it's to have a better future. It's to have hope, an exciting future. That's his brand. And then he does all these things to uh, get us there, get people there, get himself there. And this is whether you agree or disagree with a person. That is clear. He has a brand, he has a mission, he has a purpose, and he's achieving a lot of things within it. So uh, that's something to to emulate. Uh, not necessarily uh, in the same way, but to think about how can I do something similar and how does that fit into my business of one? Uh, And this is regardless of you being an athlete, a coach, an artist, uh, a programmer, a contractor of some sort. Now, one of the ways to build a personal brand is by becoming aware of three aspects. And one is the content that you create, which is not only that which you're saying or like me now producing this this podcast, but it's your body of work. It's the network that you have, the access to different people, and then the economy, which is the mechanism that produces an exchange of value. When you have content, network, and economy, now you have a system that you can build from. And the machine is that which pushes the content, the network, and the economy to grow. And that's what we want to be working on. So think about what you're doing. Are you producing content? Are you creating a body of work? Are you connecting with people? And is there an exchange of value amongst those people? If so, then the machine is working. There's production and distribution. And that can be now uh, implemented through logistics and then uh, made clear in the way that it's done through policies that allow everybody to understand how the system works. And this is a key for building your machine. Now, if this is convoluted, uh, worry not, because it will make sense once you start to implement some of these ideas. And this is just to get everybody kind of on the same page. Now, your network can be uh, your support group, It can be the team of people that you're working with, whether they're outsourced or contracted, or eventually, if you go from solopreneur to entrepreneur and now you become a business of some, business of many, uh, that's your network, then your customers, and then the extended uh, community, which is people that you reach uh, that may not even buy your product. This can be people who are influenced by the culture that you've created and that culture being the essence of your personal brand that is something that is felt understood and that informs a way of living a lifestyle and an expression so this is uh important stuff when it comes to personal branding now uh number nine cultivate a network that includes a core team customers and an extended community so i was just alluding to this now this team i would suggest is uh, a group of people who amplify that which you do and the beauty of this is this this can be other solopreneurs. So partnering, collaborating, aligning with other solopreneurs is what's going to allow you to draft off of one, each, one another and then get where you want to go. Something that I'm doing with a, a couple of friends now is we have a mastermind and every month we meet, we share that which we're working on, the progress we're making, the stuff that we're running into that is is challenging. And then we help each other solve problems. And then we discuss everything that we've learned within that month. That is a team that is a micro network that amplifies what we're doing. So we're drafting off of each other. So have that network of people that you work with. And that can be based on uh, an extension of your community or a group within your community. It becomes this um, tighter tighter knit uh, group of people who are Collaborating and influencing one another, so that's that's uh, really important. And then here, finally, number ten, and this is the 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 most important one, which is continued education. So continuously learn different things. And in this case, I I I bring to light three things: skills that are based on leadership, communication, and task management. Let's go backwards. Task management. Know what is important to do. So uh, and and prioritize. Um, your schedule through uh, the the task priority. So for example, if you wake up and the first thing you do is check your email, now you're going to be uh, reactive or reacting to your email and thus you're not prioritizing that which needs to get done. So really important, and this is very just simple uh, production or productivity uh, uh, skills, it's waking up or having a plan for what has to be done and then doing that until it's done, and then moving on. In other words, to skip the idea of multitasking or checking your phone or uh, scrolling through whatever emails is coming in and then trying to reply in that moment just uh, frantically, that's that's going to kill you. Now, is customer service important? Yes, customers are important. Are Is uh, communication important? Yes, but that is uh, secondary to the building part. If you are in uh, a... Production and distribution mode, you need to build the machine. Thus, you need to focus on that first. If you want to allocate just some time to just respond and get, you know, put some fires out because you're at that state of your business, make that part of your production. But don't become uh, uh, bound or don't become a slave for the communication that is happening in your emails, you will go completely nuts and you will uh, derail yourself and it will get you to a point where, and this is something we'll cover in, in future episodes with with guests as well, you'll get to the point where at the end of the day, you're just gonna be completely burnt out and you won't be doing uh, the deep work that you need to do to be as effective and efficient as you can. be. So task management, super important. Something that I would uh, recommend is avoid to-do lists and just have focus time. Say, right now I'm going to focus on writing this piece of content. And I'm not going to stop until I'm done or I just can't write anymore. And then I'll move on to the next thing. You become way more productive uh, that way. Now, uh, in terms of communication, there's two things in regards to communication that I highly encourage. One is to follow uh, Tom Reed's performance-based communication acronym, which is TASK. T-A-S-K, and T stands for treat people with dignity and respect at all times. A, assume positive intent. S, strength and skills. Everybody has them. And then K, keep people empowered. If you can do those four things, you're going to be killing it. Treating people with dignity and respect requires you to be um, uh, in a state of being that is not reactive. You want to be responsive. You want to be somebody who's deliberate. Assuming positive intent is realizing that everybody is doing the best they can with what they have and whatever they're doing right now, even though it may be having a negative outcome, it's coming from a positive place. Being able to see the positive place allows you to be non-judgmental and thus be solution conscious. Skills and strengths, identify what people are good at and then work with that. And this is even in customer service, team management, even talking to yourself. And then K, keeping yourself empowered, keeping others empowered is knowing what to do next and realizing that uh, right now you're moving forward and it feels great. Tomorrow you may be more moving backwards, but because you're process-oriented, you feel empowered because you're developing a skill and you have a track record now that shows that you're making progress, that is following a progression and is getting you closer to an outcome. And trusting that is the empowerment. And to be able to do this with others is key for developing leadership. So this is where the leadership part comes in. But uh, I want to base it and root it in NVC, which is nonviolent communication. This is based on Marshall Rosenberg. And nonviolent communication is the, uh, this idea of communicating through needs and feelings or feelings and needs. And a very simple structure in leadership is uh, to be able to communicate through NVC by using uh, the following uh, the sentence structure, which is you describe an observation. So let's say something happened you simply point out i saw this 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 and this in in coaching maybe it's uh you know somebody's squatting and their knees are caving in or their their back is rounding you just say i'm observing that your back is rounding a ton when you're squatting that heavy weight cool so you just describe what you saw that's very objective then you uh state how that makes you feel it pisses me off to see you rounding your back uh, or it saddens me or it scares me whatever you may be feeling you just say what you're feeling then you uh, share the need of yours that's not getting met. And this is when you can articulate. For example, in, in, in personal training, let's say somebody is squatting with their rounded, and you've, you've, you've said that it, it scares you. You can say, I have a need to see you be safe. I have a need to see you perform uh, effectively and efficiently. I have a need to see you meet the standard that you said you want to meet. You just display that which is not getting met. And then finally, you um, have a call to action and this request to action has to be explicit. And this can be flatten out your back, uh, take load off of the bar, whatever it may be. And that becomes very clear in communication. And when you can communicate from a place of needs and feelings bound by something that is uh, objective in its observation and with a clear call to action, you become a leader. And this is where in communication, and this is something you can use in your content creation and how you communicate online is you have three ways of communicating. You can uh, share information, you can request information, or you can call to action, meaning go do this thing. When you've done enough information sharing and people are clear on what you do, and you have requested enough information that allows you to inform that what you know, now you can call people to action. So this is the importance of having a rapport or having a relationship with the people that you are in business with and especially your customers or people who are maybe helping you with the production and distribution side depending on what you're doing and this is where also having uh, excellent verbal skills help so practicing public speaking uh, practicing writing something that i do every morning is I have a notebook and I write every morning. I'm just trying to think through writing. And then through my writing, it allows me to see what I'm thinking. And then it allows me to figure out how I want to say it better. And then I become more simple, clear and compelling in the way that I express myself. And being uh, clear in writing allows you to communicate more efficiently and allows you to create, as I said earlier, a manual, a system that can be uh, replicated and passed on and thus uh, potentially allowing you to scale your business. And then ultimately, you want your customers, the people that you work with, your clients, to uh, become your ambassadors, your evangelists, the, the people that are your billboards basically saying, hey, you need to work with this person. This is the best in the world. This These are the best reviews you can get. And that's what you get by having community. And that takes time and it takes developing trust. And trust is not only the, act of uh, demonstrating competence in your field, but it's also integrity and consistency and compassion, which is having true care and um, empathy for those who you you work with or serve. Okay, that was 10. Now, finally, this is the bonus content and this for athletes. If you have done all these things, this is, this is what you realize is that if you're an athlete and you're seeking sponsorship because uh, you need more time to train, if you have done uh, the uh, building of this solopreneur's machine, where you can produce and distribute something, uh, service, product, or yourself as a public figure, uh, now you become your own sponsor, and that is uh, very cool. But if you want to work with sponsors and nobody is sponsoring you, my suggestion is the following: you should have a three-system, uh, a three-tier system approach and uh, the three tiers are the following you should work with brands who are just getting started that you can elevate that you can bring up so associate with them because you believe in them align with them and help them grow become a mentor and ambassador for them and do that for nothing in exchange just relationship building and then if something happens well great you can decide later so that's tier one tier two is brands that are at a similar state of development as yours. Work with them, create some kind of agreement. We can get into ideas around how these agreements can be structured and then build together, grow together. And then tier three is uh, once you have tier one and tier two, you have a foundation, you've demonstrated proof of concept and that you know how to work with brands, organizations, companies, and that you can add value and create that exchange. Then you can now work with a brand that's bigger than you that can elevate you, amplify you. So these are uh key components for finding sponsorship and then we can uh also in a future episode get into how to do that and what that looks like. Okay. So that is uh solopreneurship starter kit, hopefully um valuable information. If you have any questions, let me know. I would I would love to answer those and um we will continue these conversations and I'll start bringing in guests that can um maybe provide more insight and maybe we can get more practical. Now, here's, here's the complexity of this is that there is no uh, one-size-fits-all. Solopreneurship is a one-size-fits-one and thus requires um, individualization. So uh, worry not if you felt like this was uh, kind of generic or universal. Just allow the ideas to guide that which you intuitively know and then translate that into practical action. And when you can have a long-term plan with short-term action, uh, you will be executing at the best of your abilities. And if you stick with that, you will make incremental progress and eventually produce the results that you desire and hopefully more. So with that being said, thank you for listening. I appreciate you all. And I look forward to connecting in the next episode. Much love. Peace, everybody. This is the freestyle way.